Hey friends, and welcome back to the rest of the sermon, Confessions of a Pastor. That's right, you heard a different tagline there. I'm shifting from uh, a deeper dive into the lessons I share with my congregation to Confessions of a Pastor. We will still be focused on uh, the information, the lessons that we're talking about uh, here at Midway Baptist Church. Uh, But I've realized one thing through this pandemic is that I... Uh, tend to be pretty confessional, uh, and I think that that's an, an important part of my ministry and something that uh, really kind of shines through in sermons and conversations that I have. So uh, in, an, in an attempt to be uh, transparent, I just want to make that change. Also, you may hear a difference in quality today. I'm happy to say I finally have received uh, a microphone and um, some headphones and some other podcasting equipment that I had ordered uh, about two months ago, uh, but due to COVID, they just came in. So uh, all that uh, out of the way, just right up front, I, I do want to welcome you to the rest of the sermon. I'm glad that you've joined us today, and uh, today we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, this idea of Christianity as a team sport. Uh, this past Sunday, we looked at Philippians chapter 1, verses 27 through 30. Uh, so we covered four whole verses. Uh, as always, if you'd like to to listen to that sermon or uh, to see that sermon, you can follow the link that is found in the show notes. But the highlight, uh, or to sum up, summarize kind of what we talked about, we talked about the importance of fellowship and of community. And I was reading through some friends' posts on Facebook this morning, and one really struck me uh, and, and made me stop and think uh, and take... Um, some uh, inventory of uh, where we are in this pandemic and everything that's going on and uh, remembering where it is that we started. And so I want to talk a little bit today, this afternoon, about community. Uh, I have tasked my congregation, I've given them uh, the challenge of calling those people, literally calling them on the phone, the folks that you would normally say hi to, the folks you would normally interact with on a Sunday morning, I want you to spend some time this week talking to them on the phone because I'm wondering how many people we normally have that conversation with uh, or that time of interaction with that we haven't had at all. Uh, In addition to that, I have challenged myself uh, to call everybody in our directory. Uh, Most folks have received some type of communication from me, either via text or via phone call. Everybody in our directory has been contacted by one of our deacons uh, but I have not sat down in a week uh, or, or, you know, intentionally in one week to call everybody in the directory. So that's that's something that's on my uh, to-do list for this week. And um, I'm looking forward to uh, hopefully at the end of the week completing that and, and have, having spoken with the majority, if not all, of the folks that are in our directory. Why is that important, you might ask? And, and you know, for me, I think it's, it's, it's important because we are made to be relational beings. Uh, I myself am an introvert. Uh, if given the option, you put me in a crowded room, I'm going to find the closest chair against the wall in a corner, preferably, that I can sit down and just watch people. Uh, it's not that I won't talk with you. It's not that I don't want to have conversation, but it's that it's physically draining for me to do so. You may be thinking to yourself, Evan, then why on earth are you a pastor? And I would simply respond, that wasn't my choice. I don't think 
Uh, I truly believe it was God's choice, and uh, I'm trying to follow. I, I tried to run from that decision for a long time, and uh, look where I ended up uh, being a pastor. So um, it's not that I can't be social. It's that it's not what I'm inclined to do, and it takes a lot of energy for me to do so. If I'm honest, I told my congregation again this past Sunday how much I genuinely miss all of them. Uh, There is an absence in my life uh, of not seeing and meeting people on Sunday morning that I'm used to seeing, that I've seen for the last seven and a half years. That's a pretty significant amount of time to now all of a sudden not see people at all. So I've I've issued that challenge, and uh, one of the things I want to talk about today is I remember for, uh, unless I'm mistaken, and maybe you have a different perspective than I do, but I remember for about the first month of this COVID-19 pandemic, when we were first quarantining as states and as communities, and our kids were sent home from school, and we're trying to figure out what all this means and how we're going to do this. I remember a time when it felt like the country And if not the country as a whole, at least communities were united. And there was this really kind of this sense of we were all in this together. Uh, Andy Bashir, the governor of Kentucky, where where I live, where I'm from, uh, was famous for saying, we will get through this, we will get through this together. And that was kind of the catchphrase. And every day when I drive home, I drive uh, from Midway back to Lexington, I drive by a banner that hangs in Midway on on Railroad Street there, I I drive by a banner that says, we will get through this together. There was this real sense of camaraderie and community. So much so that I I remember schools coming together and and teachers doing parades so that they could go and and wave and say hi to kids that they uh, hadn't seen in a classroom in a while. I remember virtual birthday parties where, again, the same kind of thing would happen. I would watch a video on Facebook of some uh, teenager hitting a milestone, whether it's an 18th birthday or a 16th birthday, or uh, maybe it was a 50th wedding anniversary or from a, from a couple, uh, and you would see them sitting out in their driveway or standing in their driveway as the cars rode by and honked. Uh, this sense of community that we had developed in the absence of being able to gather with one another. It seemed like we had figured some things out about ourselves and about what real community looks like. There were conversations about, you know, what what are some things that have happened in quarantine, in this COVID pandemic that we want to make sure we take with us outside once it's all over. But that conversation seems to have been seems to have been short-lived. Of course, it doesn't help that here we are some five, six months deep into a quarantine. It doesn't help that here we are finding ourselves uh, in the midst of more spikes, uh, in the midst of higher case numbers, and, and seemingly, uh, whether it's, it's completely accurate or not, it, it certainly seems as if we are in a worse spot now than we were in March when all of this started. We're making decisions, tough decisions, about what school's going to look like, and what our expectations are on teachers and on students and on parents. We're still having difficult conversations about unemployment, about a stimulus check and stimulus packages and the economy and, and you know, capacity for restaurants and bars. Should they be open? Should they not be open? What about churches? Should churches be meeting in person? If they do, what kind of restrictions should there be? 
There's different arguments about whether masks are effective or not effective, whether we should be taking uh, the, the drugs that are represented uh, or, or recommended by our president or whether we shouldn't. I mean, there's all these conversations that unfold. But at the heart of it, at the heart of it, we have to remember, we have to recognize that we're talking about people. People, just like you and I, who are created in the image of God. And these people, these people need community. And so how do we do that? How do we formulate community in a time when masks seem like one of the answers? How do we formulate community in a time when social distancing, again, definitely seems like one of the answers? And maybe even more important, what about those in our communities who feel that their voice must be heard? The common uh, retort that I get, the common retort that I see is, uh, as a pastor when talking about why um, churches are not meeting, at least why my church is not meeting, is, well, I guess it's okay for churches not to meet, but um, or, or maybe the other way of saying this is, I, I guess it's okay for protesters to be in the street and not wear a mask and not socially, socially distancing, but it's not okay for churches to meet. And first, I would say those aren't apples to apples. Those are very much apples to oranges. Second, I would say that the church is meeting. It just may not be meeting in a physical building. And I personally think that is being uh, responsible to this ethic of love that we are commanded to have from God, God's self. Uh, that may be a soapbox for another day. That's one you've certainly heard me on before. But in regards to these protests and things that we're seeing, I think that we've lost sight again of what is the message. We are so caught up on all of the um, quote-unquote rioting that's happening. And, and I'll be honest, uh, conversations that I'm having with friends who are present in these uh, protests, videos that I watch of people who are present in these protests, um, I, I fail to see the amount of, of rioting and looting that seems uh, to be purported to be happening uh, with my own eyes and with the eyes of people that I know and trust. Instead, what I see are continued escalated responses from folks who uh, seemingly are there to keep the peace. And I get it. I understand. It can't be easy to be on that side of things either. It can't be easy to be villainized, to be blamed, to be yelled at uh, for days on end and just be expected to sit there and take it. However, these same folks who send these people out day after day have the power to have conversations, have the power to make policy changes, have the power to make arrests and simply don't. A lot of things there to unpack. But to me, again, it all boils back down to this idea I want to talk today, which is about community. How do we formulate community? How do we have community? One way we can do that is by intentionally looking out, checking on uh, those whom we care about, those whom we know, those whom we love. I shared on Sunday, um, it was just about three weeks ago, maybe four weeks ago now, um, I was in a pretty rough spot uh, mentally. Uh, I had lost another friend to suicide. Um, 
I, I don't want to get into details or specifics, but that's, you know, there, that is, uh, well, I will say, I, I, and I think I've already said here on the, on the podcast, that was the, the fourth friend in six months, uh, I believe, um, that, that had died in that manner. Uh, and I have my own struggles with, with mental health uh, and with depression and anxiety in particular. Uh, and certainly all of the stress and everything going on right now does not help those, uh, that cause a- a- at all. And I'm sure I know for a fact that I'm not alone. You also know that I'm a therapist and you may think, wow, uh, why would he be a therapist? And, and the truth is, well, because I wanted to help people uh, who experience life similar to how I did. And because I was greatly helped by a couple therapists. And uh, so I wanted to be able to give back in that way, too. I I started all of this to say I was having a rough time. But it was through community that I was able to be pulled out of that. If you follow me on Facebook, you will have seen, you'll you'll know that I've been, uh, I, I learned how to bake bread. And it was in that act of learning how to bake bread, one of the members of my congregation, a family that uh, has kind of adopted Kelly and I and our three kids uh, into their own, uh, the, the, the grandmother of that family invited me uh, over. I kind of invited myself, I guess, more than anything. I asked if she would teach me how to bake bread, because uh, that's something I've always wanted to know how to do. Sourdough bread is a, a, a great weakness of mine, and so she she agreed, and she taught me, and um, we had two days. It takes a while to make bread, by the way. I don't know if you knew that, but it's like a two-day process uh, to make sourdough bread. We had this two days, though, together where twice a day we were we were spending time together uh, learning how to bake, bake this bread or, or to make it and, and, and all this stuff, and then sitting down and having a conversation uh, around it as well. And just that act of having a conversation from someone who genuinely cared, genuinely wanted to know what was going on and how I was doing and how the church was, and uh, a lot of the answers she already knew, uh, but also still just wanted to hear, I guess, from my perspective, my voice. Feeling valued in that way was so important. And that's a gift that you have, that you can provide, that you can give today to someone. And you may not know the value, the need that someone else has, the value that they would place on that, but the amount of times in my life that I have encountered that type of um, unwitting help. Uh, I can't. I can't count it. I can't count it. And so I would want to encourage you today to be uh, intentional, thinking about community, thinking about if it's if it's your faith community, if it's your family community, your neighborhood community, whatever whatever that community might look like for you, and then just. To, to, to stretch that a little bit further, um, as you know, I have three children, and we've tried to be very intentional about keeping them involved uh, with their friends uh, as much as we can. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, uh, based on conversations I've made here, you probably have guessed, and rightfully so, I am a heavy proponent of mask wearing. Uh, I think that if that's the the most inconvenient thing that we have to do, then uh, we should count ourselves pretty lucky. Uh, and if we have that as as our only offense or, or defense, however you want to put it, against a pandemic, then sign me up. I will wear a mask for the rest of my life 
if that's what it would take. I, I know that it won't, and I don't think that it will. And some people even hearing me say that would say, how would you give up your civil liberty, your freedoms so quickly? And I would just remind you, I don't think that we're free uh, because we live in America. We're free because uh, we have accepted Christ. That's where our freedom comes. And as someone who has accepted Christ, I'm called to love my neighbor. And by me uh, wearing a mask, I, I truly believe that that shows that I love my neighbor. Uh, and that is a, answering a calling that is deep in my heart. So again, I'll save that soapbox for another day. So in this time where we, we, we have to social distance, we uh, wear a mask, we do all of these things, it's hard to, to continue to foster community, especially for children. And so finding ways to keep them connected has been a challenge, but it's also been something that's very important to do. Little things like Facebook Messenger, they, they have an app for kids, Kids Messenger. Little things like uh, FaceTime and, and other things that, that encourage, uh, again, communication face-to-face, as, as close to face-to-face as we can get, is so important and so valuable. So today, this week, uh, with the mindset of Christianity is not, or Christianity is a team sport. It's not something that we're meant to do alone. Instead, it's something that we're meant to do in fellowship, in community. Why? So that others who aren't a part of it see it and say, oh my, there's something different about them. Why? Because inevitably, like me a few weeks ago, you're going to have times in your life when you're down. When things aren't going your way, when things feel and and maybe are really difficult, and you're going to need someone to be able to lean on. You're going to need someone to put their arm around you to say, I see you, I hear you, I value you, and you are important. Let me help. You're going to need that. And absent of community, that is hard to find. We are communal, relational beings. Let's build community together. I would be remiss if I don't talk just for a second about uh, one last thing, and then then we'll we'll get off of here for today. One last thing, though, and that is Sunday morning after I finished preaching the sermon about Christianity being a team sport, I came back to my office and was working on uh, uploading the video to YouTube getting it processed and, and all of that stuff downloaded and, 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 and to where it's on our YouTube channel so that I could share it here and so that folks who don't have Facebook could see it as well. I uh, turned on, pulled up Facebook on my on my computer, which I rarely do. Um, I usually just use, use my phone for it, uh, but I, I pulled it up on my computer and the first thing that I saw, it was a replay at that point, it actually I think was going on during our service, but it was the video of the representative John Lewis from Georgia being taken by horse-drawn carriage over over the bridge, the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama. One last ride across a bridge that had been met with so much violence on a Sunday called Bloody Sunday uh, so many years ago, back in 1964, I believe it was, 65 maybe. This journey across a bridge, and here he is going across one last time, meeting no resistance. What a journey it has been for Representative John Lewis, someone who, who encourages trouble, but trouble for the right reasons. 
someone who was arrested over 40 times in his life, standing up for justice. And I compare that to the cries that we hear coming out of Portland, coming out of Seattle, coming out of Louisville, coming out of Chicago, for justice. For justice. I remarked on Facebook, and I will remark here again. It's high time that other people be the standard bearers. That other people pick up the torch that is being passed from from people like John Lewis into a new generation. And I want to commit publicly, as I did then, that, that that's, a, that's a cause I, I'm willing to fight for. The cause of justice. Because over and over and over, I see the ark of God. The ark bends towards justice, towards love. And I want to invite you on that journey as well. We've had a couple episodes talking about uh, racial justice and racial equality. Uh, I'm going to be doing a book study, I think, with a pastor peer group that I meet with uh, on a book called From Here to Equality. Uh, and it talks about that. It even talks about things like reparations. And I know when, when that word gets brought up, uh, some folks will tune out. Um, but I just want to say I think it's important that we not forget we not forget how we felt and what went through our minds when we saw we saw the murder of George Floyd. Eight minutes and 46 seconds. With a grown man, a police officer, a peacekeeper kneeling on his neck. We can't forget the outrage. We can't forget the hurt. We can't forget the feeling of watching a life snuffed out. There's a reason people are marching in the streets. There's a reason there are protests happening. And to watch what the response looks like now, what that tells me is that the powers that be are no longer listening. And the the risk that we run is that we go right back to life as usual. And that's what we've done time and time and time again. But for some reason, right now, it feels like we have an opportunity for this to be different. So again, while you're building community, while you're being a team player, I want also to encourage you to be a listener, to listen, to be an ally, and then finally, to be an advocate. Listen, I know that uh, there are a lot of things going on in your week. There's a lot of things happening. I know that it is a difficult time for all of us. So uh, now as much as ever, I appreciate you tuning in uh, this week and every week. I encourage you to take a couple minutes and uh, download this. Maybe go to the Apple iTunes store and find it there and leave a a review, preferably a five-star review. Uh, every little thing's helps every little thing helps to get this uh, podcast out in front of more people if you see it on Facebook you can share it there as well as much as uh, anything or maybe most importantly it's just sharing word of mouth inviting people to listen uh, inviting people to join us on this journey and, and coming together every week to hear the rest of the sermon 
As always, if you have any comments or feedback that you'd like to give, you can send an email to the rest of the sermon at gmail.com. Hope you have a wonderful week. Look forward to when we do this again. And until that day, God bless.